Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to New Books in Journalism. I'm Kate Edenborg, the host of this channel, and today we'll be talking to Clyde Farnsworth about his new book, Tangled Bylines, A Father and Son Cover the 20th Century. And welcome, Clyde, to the podcast. Hi, how are you? (laughs) Doing pretty good. Um, So, Clyde, I was wondering if we could start off the interview here um, having you tell a little bit about yourself, and I know... The book tells us a lot about <laughs> yourself and your father, uh, but if we could just kind of get a brief introduction. Sure, happy to do that. Uh, you know, my life as a startup uh, journalist uh, can be summed up by uh, my relationship with uh, my with two, actually, two, two gentlemen, my, my father and Uncle Sam. <laughs> uh, more about Uncle Sam later, but my, my dad worked for the AP for, for a long time. And uh, we did lots of things of t- together while he was working for the AP, and we went on long bike rides and uh, uh, played chess together. And uh, uh, the neighbors always thought that he was a food merchant because he worked for the AP, and they thought the a- AP was the A&P. But, <laughs> of course, it was the greatest uh, wire service and still is. And um, he took me to the office, and on those Sundays I especially loved because uh, you, you could um, – uh, you, you could just wander about in this what was a kind of a depression kid. Remember, this is in the in the late 30s and early 40s. Mm-hmm. A depression kid, uh, kids, um, uh, uh, a Disneyland kind of place because it was it was Rockefeller. The the office was in Rockefeller Center in New York, and and we wandered about. I wandered about and uh, you know and enjoyed the whole the whole scene there. The escalators especially. And uh, then um, the, uh, the and the cable desk was uh, especially interesting because there were all these uh, the, all these men with uh, everybody wore jackets in those days and uh, they or they, uh, they they loosened their collars they loosened their collars maybe they took off their jackets and they were smoking a lot of cigarettes <laughs> and they and they would end up. Uh, you know, pounding, pounding the typewriters. And so I would pound the typewriters. But instead of writing about the, the German invasion of Russia or something like that, I was wonder, I was writing about Superman. And, uh, and uh, you know, my father had taught me how to, how to type. So I'd be writing about werewolves and Superman and that kind of thing. And, and it, was, it was really very exciting to, uh, to, to do all that. But, and, and so th- what happens is, is, is a little bit later, uh, he goes off as a war correspondent and then, and then he never comes back. <laughs> and so I've got this crazy situation where I, you know, I love my dad. And then suddenly he goes off with another woman and everything else. And, and I kind of hate my dad. And so uh, the, the whole, the whole book becomes a, uh, a story about uh, how I, you know, go from this uh, hatred almost to you know to to admiration, later admiration and and respect, uh, because he had, you know he was doing you know what he was called on to do professionally and uh, and personally he had uh, you know he had a very difficult time also. 
So it was uh, it was that kind of situation. And then then the then but now comes Uncle Sam. Uh, I'm uh, this is about ten years later, and uh, and uh, the uh, you know the Korean War is on, and so I end up in uh, in Korea. And at first I go as a uh, I, I I joined the army, and I first I go as a combat medic on in Heartbreak Ridge, and then after that. I um, end up in um, as a as a, as a uh, believe it or not as a uh, correspondent as a I was a combat reporter for the 45th Division News. Uh, that was after about four months on the hill as a uh, as, as a uh, as a combat medic, and they they made the switch because they needed somebody on the on the newspaper, and I was about the only person who had a college education in the whole unit, and so they 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 plucked me. And of course, that probably saved my life, but it also taught me a lot about being a journalist. And so I um, ended up, uh, uh, you know, writing uh, quite a lot of combat stories. And then, uh, so after the war, uh, I um, I decided to just jump into the United Press and see what was happening. I, I didn't go to the AP because the, I, I had taken the the uh, the train into Grand Central. I don't know if you know Manhattan or not, but anyway, the AP office was is 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 not too that close to the uh, to the to the United. It's not that close to Grand Central, but the United Press in those days was in the uh, Daily News Building, which was just one block away. So my first my first uh, uh, appointment was with the uh, with the United Press, and and they took me right away. And so I I never went never even applied for another job. <laughs> I went to the I went to the United Press, and then after five years at the UP, I ended up at the Herald Tribune. And that was a great, great newspaper. One, I don't, I don't mean to sound like, like Donald Trump, but it was a great, great newspaper <laughs> in those days. And uh, and unfortunately, it failed after about seven or eight years. Uh, but I, by that time, I had joined the the Times, and and was uh, and that was in an even greater experience, even even more incredible. And and suddenly, I find myself in. In, in London and uh, with the Beatles and uh, uh, all these fantastic uh, stories that were breaking at that time, and uh, suddenly I uh, uh, and and then I have a family, and so that's 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 more or less the story. That well, then from from London I go to Paris, and then from Par I mean I go to Brussels, and then to Paris, and and, and then the whole thing uh, uh, continues. Uh, you know, going to, uh, just have uh, the, the Prague invasion, the invasion of 1968. Well, I'm jumping ahead a lot of years now because I'm trying to trying to summarize in a short period of time. But anyway, it was quite an exciting period. It was incredible, and uh, you know, and I will, of course will never never forget any any of those moments. You did a great job of summarizing your life in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, you kind of started talking about this already, um, you know, kind of talking about the, you know, the different inspirations for your book. But yes. how, what was like, you know, you probably had, I, I, I'm kind of guessing you had thoughts of doing this potentially for a while. But how did you kind of come, you know, what kind of nudged you to to get to move forward with this book? Was it a process that started long ago or did it just kind of, did something strike you that happened to inspire you yeah, to do it great, now? 
That's a great question. And, and what, actually, what happened was that I was, as I was coming back to, uh, to a good relationship with my father, uh, I, you know, I, I'd learned a lot of things about his life. And it was like the, you know, the other side of the moon. I mean, I didn't know anything. And so we, we, talked, we talked about that. And, and, he, and you know, what, what he was doing in, in the period that, uh, that he was away, you know, was covering World War II, <laughs> the Chinese Civil War, uh, the Korean War, because he was there on the very first uh, week or two of the of the Korean War. He was in Taijan and almost got killed there, uh, which is in central central South Korea. And uh, so I, 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 you know, was asking him an awful lot of questions about about him. And I said, you know, we've got to we've got to sit down and let's let's do this systematically. And and so that's how it all began. We were living together at that time in uh, Arlington, and uh, I got a typewriter and and um, you know asked him questions, and he responded. Initially, I wanted him to. He was very sick at this time, so initially I wanted to uh, get him to to uh, just do it himself. You know, just talk. He could talk to a tape recorder, but he 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 did he couldn't do it. I would leave the tape recorder, turn it on, and everything, and there'd be nothing on the tape recorder, and because he had. I would, while I was going to work, because I was still at the, I was at the Times Washington Bureau at, the, at that time, and uh, so I'd leave him um, alone, and, and then there would be nothing on the, on the tape recorder, and so uh, I would uh, get a little bit angry, and he just said, well, I, I just can't do it. So, so what I did was just get a, a fast typewriter. I was a pretty fast typist in those days, very fast, and, uh, and so I would just take down his answers of the questions, and I would just ask him one question after the other, and he would sort of relive his experiences during this period that we lived together. Uh, he would relive these experiences for, uh, 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 you know, the, the, the duration of, 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 the, of our sort of interviews. We would do this about an hour, two hours every night uh, in Arlington, in this beautiful apartment, very nice apartment we had uh, that we, when we were living together, uh, not too far from the Pentagon, actually. And uh, so that's, that's how the book started. And, uh, and I just took, took notes, notes all the time. And, and of course, I had to fill it up, fill it up, you know, because a lot of the stuff he was talking about, I didn't even understand. And I had to, you know, do get get basic information about, you know, what the war in China was all about and uh, and who, who MacArthur was and who Chiang Kai-shek was and uh, and, and, and uh, these things. So I, I, I had to, uh, you know, put on my uh, my my uh, thinking cap as well. <laughs> And and so, um, but it, it, we we slowly we slowly pursued, and and that and I'm talking now in the in the 1980s. Of course, he died in 1984, so this is in the early 1980s. And then I had huge amounts of notes and everything else. And of course, I was doing other things, and including and I, to me, it was a project. It was a, a project of love and everything else. But it wasn't it wasn't the, the top priority for me. I was trying mm -hmm. to write a novel at the same time. I was, you know, working very hard at, at the Times, at Washington Bureau. And so I just uh, decided to, um, uh, you know, I, I didn't push this project that fast. And of course, he passed away, which was which was horrible. And and uh, and then suddenly uh, I've got all these notes and I got to do something. And um, so it has taken me four decades <laughs> to 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 put put everything together and um, you know I, I it's it's been a, it's been a huge huge project uh, it's sort of like uh, you know uh, I, f I feel like uh, 
I feel like Samuel uh, Johnson, you know, uh, I, or he was sort of like Samuel Johnson answering the questions of, uh, of, uh, of, of, uh, of James Boswell, for example, you know, back <laughs> in the 18th century, uh, because I, it was, uh, I was just asking all these minutia, these questions going into the minutia of his life. And uh, and and he would he would respond and uh, but you, I don't know but I see I went to Yale and, and when I was at Yale there were a lot of um, uh, uh, the, the big in 18th century studies I studied English and there were there were a couple of professors there one was uh, uh, Frederick Pottle and the other was uh, um, uh, uh, Chauncey Tinker and they were both wonderful English professors and they both were students of the 18th century and so I'd always had this idea that if you could just you know sit around uh, and and ask questions and everything you, you know you could learn everything that you really needed to know about uh, about the world and so I, I, I was I was quite impressed by by of course the um, uh, you know Boswell's Life of Johnson and I'm also impressed although I haven't fully read it uh, the the Winston Churchill's son you know Randolph wrote a, wrote a wonderful biography of his father only oh, it was it was only one volume but, but anyway I was I I was in, influenced and impressed by those by those works and and, and I, they, they were always in the back of my mind I said you know I've got to do something similar to this. To this to do to this with my with my own dad because he's lived in these these amazing uh, times and 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 you know he saved the lives of two two journalists uh, uh, during the Chinese Civil War and I learned only learned about that when I was in Prague uh, in in 1968 my dad and I were both there together and and one of the men whose life he saved his name was George Vine who worked for the London Daily Mail. Uh, he came up to me and he said, "You know, your your father saved my life in Shanghai," and I said, uh, "I said I, I, I didn't know that." And he said, "You know, I'll ask your father about it someday." And so I later, you know, during these sessions that we had in Arlington in the in the 1980s, I did. I asked him all about that, and and uh, and uh, I I asked him. I said, "Why haven't you told me about this before?" And he said, "Because you never asked." <laughs> And so that's that's the kind of situation that I that, that we were living through. And as, as I say, uh, it took a uh, uh, to, it just took all this uh, period of time to to uh, to work this thing out. One of the the things that came to mind as you were talking, and it was just um, in gathering all the information from him, like that last statement you made that, that you never asked, you know, so he didn't tell you. But was he willing to share information? Um, you know, being on the flip side of the questions, you know, with his career and well, in your career um, as journalist. But um, did you get a sense of how he felt being the subject? I think he loved it. Yeah. I, I think he, he. Oh, yeah. No, he was. He was always. You see, I've always been rather. Rather, you know, infer feeling, you know, have inferiority complexes, etc. Whereas he was just the opposite. He was always he he loved to do parlor trucks. He <laughs> he would tell stories. I mean, he was he was really the you know he yeah. If you think of Orson Welles, he looked a little bit like 
Orson Welles in Citizen Kane. I mean, he he was he was, he was or or uh, uh, in in that great uh, movie about Vienna. Uh, the, but um, the Third Man. Uh, but he he was he loved he loved to be the center the center of attraction. So he he wanted this he wanted to t tell a story very much, and he was wondering why the hell I hadn't asked. He was wondering <laughs> where who what kind of a reporter I was hanging around and not even asking him about you know these these fantastic. Uh, experiences that he had had in in China. I mean, you know, this is this was incredible. And then and then those days that that days in in, in the Korean War uh, were were, in, were mind blowing too. But not only that, but he had you know amazing experiences in Europe because he later, you know, his his, uh, his second wife was a Viennese, and uh, she was also a friend of of, of of Simon Wiesenthal, who was the you know the the, the great Nazi hunter mm -hmm. and and everything. And 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 my father wrote a wonderful. Um, my father w wrote this wonderful uh, magaziner for the for the New York Times magazine about uh, Simon Wiesenthal. It was the first, you know, mainstream uh, article about uh, Wiesenthal in the um, uh, you know in, in in the American press, and uh, um, that uh, was uh, was was quite was quite important uh, as well. So so he and and that life in Vienna that that he had was was in the middle of the Cold War, you know. Vienna in those days. This is now in the in the seventies and and sixties and seventies. Uh, you know, if you if you remember, well, you wouldn't remember that that period, but it was a very very hectic period, and there, you didn't know whether you know we were going to have a World War Three tomorrow, and and everybody's spies were spying on everybody else, and it was a it was an incredible situation. And he set himself up as a as a reporter in uh, in 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 Vienna to uh, to uh, uh, report on on the this kind of situation, and he represented a number of, uh, including the New York Times. That's how he, uh, that, that that's how he, uh, you know, j j eventually joined the New York Times, and uh, uh, but never as a never as a permanent staffer, but always as a as a as a stringer. And so I was I was you know greatly admiring of of, of his uh, ability to you know because it's a very tough tough profession. The um, you know the news profession. It's not it's not a profession for for, for old men. It's uh, you know you don't you don't you don't you don't grow old in, in as a newsman. Uh, so it and it's it's just very 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 hard. So I, I had a tremendous amount of respect. He was able to pick himself up. He lost jobs. He fight you know he was fired from the AP. Mainly because of his relationship with his second wife, uh, uh, who, as I say, was a, I was a Holocaust survivor. But um, uh, uh, and she, they met in uh, they met in Iran, and then and then later uh, he took her to China, and um, and. Uh, they 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 had a wonderful life together, a very rather dangerous life. I mean, it was it was uh, it was sort of the kind of life that you uh, would have, uh, uh, you know, that you would you know, that you would think of in these uh, 30s or 40s movies um, uh, with uh, with all sorts of, uh, of crazy happenings uh, behind the scenes and everything, and, and everybody sort of laying for everybody else. Uh, so it was was a uh, it was not not that um, not that easy a situation. So anyway, that that I, I had great great respect for him, and then he he built up this freelance network, which which was incredible. He was representing at one point NBC News. He was representing the the Times. He was representing uh, the Chicago Tribune. He was representing the Reader's Digest. 
and he was read medical weekly medical <laughs> news medical news among other things <laughs> and he had this amazing stringer network and he'd asked me to join him he wanted me to join him uh in in vienna uh, to uh, to help him because he was he was uh, you know overwhelmed by all the this activity that he had to do and and suddenly uh, I, but at this time I I had a pretty good job with the Times in London and and I you know thought to myself and, and my wife at that time Barbara uh, she is you know was not particularly anxious to go to London go to go to Vienna when I was when we were living in London we just had a, a child and everything else so I had to tell him no. And so instead of instead of taking me, he was a little bit angry about that. And so, though, but instead of taking me, uh, he he got a, a wonderful guy named Charles John. We got he got four or five men, including my younger brother. But but let me let me just talk talk to you about uh, Charles Johnson was was from South Side of uh, of, uh, of Chicago, and he uh, he uh, came. To uh, to the uh, to Vienna as, via the U.S. Army, and uh, and he was a um, a, a African American actor, and and my father went to one of his plays and found him. They had a wonderful time together, and and he invited him to to work for uh, him as as a kind of stringer or something uh, for his Vienna the eight this this. this this agency that he was creating, and so um, and so Charles Johnson came there and worked there for a while, and then suddenly my father wrote a wrote a piece for uh, for um, um, a magazine uh, um, about about this, and and Johnson was got so much notoriety that that he left, and then he then another fellow, my father picked. Found so was a Dutch go doter who became a reporter for the Washington Post, and a little later he took uh, he got my younger brother uh, to work for him even. <laughs> so so there were uh, it, it was it was a huge operation and and but we we were you know then gradually we we drew closer together you know as I would visit and everything else and and the fact that that I did not uh, join him. Uh, uh, he he later felt well uh, well we, we we sort of made amends about the fact that because he was upset that I that I didn't join him but but he did very well he did very I just want to mention one thing when I came back from Europe in the uh, in the nineteen six uh, uh, in the nineteen seventies um, Charles Johnson made a special trip from Chicago. He, no, he'd later gone to the Harvard Business School. I don't know where he came from. He might have been coming from uh, from from uh, from uh, Harvard at this moment. But he 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 gotten a, a degree at, at Harvard and and he but he came to Washington and he came into the office and he just he just came up to my desk and it was incredible and and he said you know I wanted to tell you I wanted to tell you this personally uh, that what a what an important figure figure uh, your father was in my life and I wanted you to know this etc etc and it was just an amazing moment so there there the this was this was the other part of it as I said was this what was happening in China was incredible, but also what he what he did, what he constructed in 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 Vienna, this uh, this uh, stringer operation that he had uh, was was also incredible. And so he he, he, he was a, he was a, you know really a rather all round uh, journalistic uh, empresario. <laughs> well, given I mean 
I mean, everything that you've done in your career and he's done in his career and, and your lives, you know, together and apart. I mean, how did you choose? I mean, you have two lives full of, you know, happenings, right? Um, how did you choose what you included? Um, you know, I'm obviously things had to be left out, but were how did you um, end up kind of prioritizing what needed to be featured and what didn't? Well, thank you for asking. Yeah, that that's a no. That that obviously was very difficult, and, mm -hmm. and a lot of stuff, a lot of good stuff has been left out, unfortunately. But I I tried to you know just just do it naturally. Uh, you know the, what 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 flows naturally. So I tried to mm -hmm. to, uh, to to talk about his youth a little bit and everything, and then the the grandparents that he had, etc., uh, which were who were very important to his life, and then. And then, and then I tried to sort of segue into into my own life and uh, and and how we sort of dovetailed. Uh, but there, obviously, I was very much interested in the uh, in the whole World War II uh, because you know World War II is never going to end. I mean, it, it, it's always with us. And and and, and you know, when you think about it, I, I think about Wingate, Wingate, Ward Wingates in, in Burma, the jungle jungle fighters. I think about Chenault and the Air Force and the the 14th Air Force. I think about Chiang Kai-shek and Mao Zedong, and uh, you know, the, I mean, this is this is all part of a. Of, of, it's, it's it's classic. It's it's it'll never it'll never die. It's it's all it's part of the fabric of of our of our lives, or at least my life. I mean, you, you wouldn't remember this as, as much as I do, but for me, this was like it would be like. My father, you know, remembering the Battle of the Somme, or the, or the or my mother remembering the Battle of Verdun in 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 in, in World War One. I. I mean, these are things that, that just never that, that as far as as far as the people of my generation are concerned, will never will never go away. I mean, World War Two, as far as we're concerned, just never ends. So that's 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 the uh, so it was it was just a question of prioritizing mm -hmm. and trying to tell a story uh, in a in a in, in a uh, logical fashion you know and you learn you learn to do this eventually as, as a newspaper man especially if you're working on a big takeout as you as you must tell your students you, you it's just must be very similar you, you you have to take you know it doesn't always have to be what's most important you 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 tell the story as it sort of flows make it flow and and and, and Make people understand it, and and and, and have a have a, a, a you know a, a sense of of, of of what's what's going on. Uh, that I think that's that's the most important. Uh, so that they realize that it's a uh, uh, that they realize that that it's a story, but it has a point of view, and 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 you you try to tell it in 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 as concise, but at the same time full manner. Do you think that you had like a similar approach, um, you know, creating or, you know, writing this book as you did um, to your journalistic writing or did you feel like it was different? Oh, I, I think it was different. I really do. Because mm -hmm. uh, the journalistic writing, you know, was, uh, well, first of all, it, it wasn't, I, I, I I, w I wasn't looking at a, at a at a tableau so much. I was looking at individual uh, in, individual uh, uh, you know uh, things in 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 a, in a uh, you know in my in what I was covering. I, I you know when I went to the uh, when I went to 
Uh, England, for example, the big thing that I was covering, I was I was I was the the editor, I was a reporter for the for the. Uh, um, for the coal miners, my, my my big story in those days was was uh, was the disappearing coal mines in in the in, in the central part of England, and um, so you would and that, that was a very 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 sad story and, and it's, it's incredible that 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 story is still around. We've got that story today in uh, you know in Pennsylvania and and West Virginia. And it's the same story, exact same story that I wrote fifty years ago or forty years ago in uh, in, in in England. Uh, there was a place called Colville, C-O-A-L-V-I-L-L-E. I didn't never thought that, and it's still there. And there were the, there were huge mines there. And I remember going into the mine, talking to the the guys there, and just wondering why on earth they wanted to work in those pits. And the reason they did is because they were getting good money uh, for going into the mine. They were very good money, but at the same time, what they liked more than anything else, and I got a sense of this too when I was in the army, when I was in Korea, was 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 the 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 the, uh, the buddy factor. I mean, you were you were really close to your to your to your buddies, and that was important. You go down uh, with a, with a miner, another miner, and you, you would do anything for that guy, and and just the same way as you would in the you know if you're in Korea or if you were in Vietnam or something, and you were with a with a friend. I mean, with a buddy, uh, you you would save his life, he would save yours. I mean, there was just no no question about that. That buddy factor is very important in the in the whole in the whole mining. Uh, industry, especially when you're, you know, you're risking your life and in those in those awful places. So that was a big fact. Two plus the money. So that was those those were those were factors that I was, uh, you know, trying to uh, trying to uh, bring out in, in in my various reporting life. And I was thinking you mentioned, you know, kind of the journalistic approach, you know, prioritizing information. And I, yes. I was, but I was thinking about, you know, who, if you had a particular audience in mind or do you have hopes of who you'd like to read this book or what you want them to take away from the text? Well, well, yes. Well, I mean, I, obviously I hope everyone reads it. But, <laughs> and buys but, it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And buys it. Uh, well, I don't really care whether they buy it so long as I read it. I, you know, I'm, I'm not in this, and I'm not in it for the money. I never mm. was. But anyway, the, I'm just, uh, like, I, I like to write. I like to, uh, uh, and I, I think these stories are important. That's, mm-hmm. that's the thing. I mean, the, the air war in China, first of all, people don't know about it. I, I, I bet you today people don't, you know, haven't even heard of Claire Chenault, and, and, and they don't know about the Japanese offensive, for example, in, in Western China. Uh, there was a major Japanese offensive in 1944. It was almost as big as the Battle of the Bulge. Now we've heard about the Battle of the Bulge in in Western Europe, but that they were where Hitler almost broke through the Allied lines and and, and captured Antwerp. And 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 we uh, you know we know about that, but we don't realize that the Japanese were doing almost the same thing. Hello. Oh, is, is are you there? Oh yeah, I'm still here. I, I'm sorry. I didn't know what that sound was. Uh, so, uh, so uh, the the Japanese were almost doing the same, and and had they succeeded, you know, 
had Hitler succeeded, you know, uh, the, the the Third Reich might still be around. Uh, you know, had the Japanese succeeded, they would still be they could still be in in uh, in Burma and in, in Indochina, uh, you know, in Thailand. Uh, they were the the, the Japanese that in even in 1944 had had a a, a band of 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 of
but he was also endangering the 11 men in that plane who could have been shot down uh, as a result of his wanting a good story. And I, I, I'm still trying to think of, of, of that balance. To him, there was no there was no question. I mean, if he was shot down, it was fine. But he was also affecting uh, affecting the lives of, uh, of of these other of these these other men. And that was a uh, you know, and I, I don't know whether he had the right, whether God gave him the right to do that or not. But at any rate, it was it was a very very difficult choice. But he, he didn't think he didn't think more than ten seconds. Uh, or even less than that, two seconds over the, uh, over the over that answer because it was so uh, so obvious to him that 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 he had to get the uh, that he had to get the the ticket punch for the full ride. There was another kind of interesting incident uh, as as a result of that uh, too. It was was the fact that um, when they went for their briefing before they took off. Um, before they took off, uh, the the colonel there was another colonel, and he was the intelligence guy, and he and he said he said um, before uh, you uh, you um, leave, I want you all to remember that that you got to that 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 there that, that there is this one thing you got to remember about about this mission, uh, uh, you know just. Make make sure that you don't forget, and and sort of, and and he he was going over all the all the points that he that he made was making with his with his pointer and everything and the maps and everything else, and then he said, any questions? And and, and okay, and then and then one guy yells in the back from the back of the of this uh, uh, shed where they were having their briefing. He he yells he yells egg in your borscht. And so my father was right working for the AP then, uh, and he was uh, he and he wrote his story and he wrote the story egg in your borscht egg in your borscht. Now egg in your borscht is a uh, is a term that w- was used you know back in 50, 60 years ago. So the, the borscht belt and the Catskills and egg in your borscht is, a, is obviously a very very special way of having borscht. Uh, so it was it was kind of a, a, a and, and that's what my father thought. That's all it was, just a, a special term. Uh, so he uh, he he used this as a kicker in the, in the AP story, and the uh, the colonel. The colonel uh, uh, later saw the AP story uh, published, and and he he ap- became apoplectic, and he went to my father, and he said uh, that uh, he, that that was a very that was a very very uh, secret code word, and and that he wasn't supposed to it was not supposed to be used in any kind of uh, you know newspaper traffic. Uh, because egg in your borscht happened to have been a the, the Joe Stalin in those days did not want American planes in in Russia in Siberia, or, uh, uh, but but he was finally persuaded at the at, at a at a uh, summit conference that he had uh, in in Tehran with that with um, with, uh, with with Roosevelt and um, uh, and Chiang Kai Shek I think was even at that conference he was finally persuaded to uh, to allow disabled planes. That that were bombing Japan or the Japanese islands uh, to to land in Siberia near Vladivostok, and so um, and so, but it was a very highly secret uh, uh, protocol, uh, and nobody was supposed to know. And the term of that, and the and the code word for that was code term for that was egg in your borscht. And so when my father wrote egg in your borscht for the by, for the AP, uh, and and that, that appeared, it, it was it was giving. Away, one of the most secret 
parts of uh, World War II relationships between between Roosevelt and Stalin and the uh, ability for for American planes to to, to land in, on, on Soviet territory. And, and so that was a uh, so the colonel was extremely upset. Well, and it actually turned out, I did some research on this, that, that about four, three or four of B-20, four B-29s actually did land. Uh, there were uh, that landing in, in, in or around a lot of stuff that had been disabled by, by Japanese fire, Japanese uh, uh, anti-aircraft. And uh, as a result of that, uh, um, the, 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 those those planes, the the the, the Russians. Uh, there was a fellow named I forget his first name. I think it was Igor Tupolev. Uh, you know, if you've heard of the Tupolev uh, planes, well, he, there was the Tupolev four. That I got this from a Russian friend. He he said that the Tupolev four was was uh, reverse engineered in, in at that period uh, from the B twenty nines. That, that had landed uh, that the, that had landed uh, at, you know for safe passage uh, in 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 Vladivostok. So that that's how the, that's how the Russian air fleet started. Uh, and the uh, I guess and the Tupolev became a, a very important uh, uh, plane for the for the Russian fleet. So anyway, there there are all those w wonderful stories that that, that uh, you know I was just afraid. That, you know I think that's just too good a story to uh, to forget about. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that. Um, and I hope I hope people will, uh, will will think the same way. Well, I think as our listeners probably will attest to, this is kind of the tip of the iceberg of the stories that they'll read about um, in your book. Um, and I'm, I think we're going to probably start to wrap up because you've taken a chunk of your time today. Um, but I was wondering if, if do you have any plans for any other projects or – um, are you working on anything else now? Oh, well, thank you for asking. Mm -hmm. I, I am, uh, you know, I, I've been working on a, you know, a kind of screenplay, uh, but I, I don't, I don't know whether it'll work or not. Uh, I, but I, I, anyway, it's a, it's an amazing, it's an amazing period that I think should be captured in the, in the, uh, you know, in the, in the celluloid screen if, po if possible. Um, so that's that's my 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 project now is to uh, try to try to do something along those lines, uh, you know. And it's a wonderful love story. I mean, you know, the the, the my father's uh, you know uh, love for this uh, woman in uh, you know she was a Holocaust survivor, as I say, and and uh, and uh, uh, she became uh, uh, you know very very dear to her to him and everything else. Of course, they later they later had a terrible fight but anyway the, the the beauty of it is not 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 in the fight but in the earlier earlier love uh you know they were they were very close so and of course my mother was was terribly upset and uh, and then i guess rightfully so too so because he left her with with very little so anyway there that there were a lot of things like that 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 i that i'd like to explore uh a little bit more i thought maybe um, uh, i think a movie would would do well but you know i've got to uh I, I, I've got to sort of t t t tap my Hollywood contacts on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds like a very uh, in interesting project. And uh, uh, and I, I really wanted to thank you, Clyde, for being on the show today. Um, I really enjoyed uh, hearing all of the, the stories and more um, more that kind of expanding on what, what you've covered in the book, your book as well. So I, I just wanted to say thank you and, and good luck with your future projects. Maybe we'll see you. see you on the screen. 
Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> awesome. Well, take care. Thank you again. Thank you very much, Professor. 